Let's go. Here we are. Let's talk about God podcast. Month of May. Let's, yeah. Mother's Day. Here it is. Memorial Day. Spring, finally. Spring in full-blown. I can't tell you how happy I am just for warmth. I mean, we're moving into summer. When and you get you get to May, it's it's we're moving towards summer fast. But we went from just rain to like rain every day, every weekend to finally some blue skies and whatever else. Like it is great. Like I'm doing stuff I've never done before. Like I'm going on walks, like just to get outside, and I would never do that before. Like I'm changed. You you and your brother are like Jacob and Esau. Yeah. You're, you're Jacob, the inside guy, and your brother's the outside guy, but now you're going to become Esau and become an outside guy. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't mind walking outside and walking around my neighborhood because it feels really good. It really does feel good. <laughs> yeah, I like being outside. I I mean, I, I'm an outdoors guy, so... You know, if I can hunt, golf, fish, I'm a, I'm that's my happy. Those are my happy places. Yeah. So I'm still mourning the loss of sports. By the way, yeah, this coronavirus messed up um, a lot of things. Messed up Easter. Which sure did. We had to have a online service for Easter, which was kind of weird last month. And but we're making it through. Did you dress up still? No. Dang. I, I like want to see. Well, I just gave it away. You want to see me dressed up for Easter? Is that what it is? Basically. No. Like, I want to see you, like, actually show up and actually take a picture and post it online. My Easter fit. See, we're we're trying to be professional with this recording, and you just totally (laughs) lost your professionalism. Totally lost. Like, not anywhere close. (laughs) and, And some of our listeners have got it because they've actually listened to what we say because we have we have revealed <laughs> that, that we on multiple occasions that we do these a month out, so we're actually in April, but we try to think like we're in May, which means Evan, we already had Easter, but now you're wanting to give it away. I, I haven't, hold it folks. Easter Sunday is this coming? <laughs> no, it's a week from this Sunday. This yes. Sunday is Palm Sunday. It's Thursday. This it, Sunday is Palm Sunday. It's April the second. So you just gave it away for all the people now in May. We're not that professional. We're not. It's just, I well, am. I'm not. I speak for yourself, but <laughs> Mr. Showpony over there. Sorry, sorry. I had just. I'm incommunicable today. So I, can't I don't know what I will be wearing. They already know. This is the irony: is at this moment our listeners are laughing because <laughs> if they watched, if they watched the Easter service, which I hope all of our members did. They already know what I was wearing. They know exactly. That you already know what I'm wearing before I do right now at this moment. Is that weird or what? That's some omniscience That's stuff omniscience, right there. which is a great way right now to segue into what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> you missed my initial segue. I said I'm incommunicable this morning. Oh, I didn't hear you say that because I was still flabbergasted <laughs> that you lost your professionalism and just blew that whole thing out of the water. Today, I don't even know if you can transition out of this. I don't know. Today we are talking about um, what what theologians call God's incommunicable attributes. Boom. Big word, incommunicable. That's a six-syllable word. $12 word. But we are. We're going to be speaking about God's attributes, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. So go ahead. 
I don't think it'll take you 30 seconds. 30-second definition, God's incommunicable attributes. Well, all right, so let me start with the attributes of God. Um, They are his divine qualities that are inherent to him that identify and distinguish him. How's that sound? That's good. So his qualities that are inherent to him and nobody else because he's a divine being, and they identify him. That's why it's important that we talk about these. So I I hope our listeners are excited because this is a Let's Talk About God Mm -hmm. podcast. So today you're going to learn a lot more about God, um, and you're going to find out what distinguishes him, makes him uniquely different from everybody else in creation, which leads us to the word incommunicable. There's also the word communicable, and theologians like to talk about the communicable and the incommunicable attributes of God. The incommunicable attributes of God, and this is why Evan said it's simple, they just those are the attributes that belong only to God. Mm-hmm. Okay, he, he can't communicate them to us in right. the sense of we can't share in he them. Can't, we can't share them. He can't transfer. So uh, we're going to talk. I'll give one. We'll get to it maybe this podcast or the next because we're going to do it a two-parter. Um, but he, he is omnipotent. He is mm-hmm. all-powerful. Well, I can't be all-powerful. I can share in the power of God. He can let it flow through me. But it's not your power. But it's not my power. Yeah. So... I'll never have, no one will ever have all power. Only Mm -hmm. one being will, and that's God. That's his, that's his incommunicable trait. Whereas God is love. Okay. I can, I can have love. I can express love. And those are communicable attributes. Mm -hmm. So the love of God can flow through me and I can, I can love just like God loves. I can love the people that love me back, I can, but I can love people that I don't like, and I can even love people that I hate. Yeah, I can love my enemies. The Bible commands me to do that. God says, uh, if we want to take holiness, be holy for I am holy, You know, for your heavenly Father is holy. There are certain things that he says you can do because of who I am, right? and I, you know, I can communicate that to you. I can but share are, that with you, right? There are things that we are speaking about today and on the next episode that we absolutely cannot share in. To me, they are unique God traits. Yes. that he can't share. They are what make him God. Well, and and then it's important, I think, there are two things that I want to say. God reveals them to us. Mm-hmm. So the only way we know these is that God has revealed them to us through his word and by his power and by his works of throughout humani- uh, history. Um, another thing that I want to just say right here before we get into them is that um, these attributes uh, describe all the members of the Godhead. So mm-hmm. when we say God, um, and I think we're actually going to talk in one of these about his unity. Yes. Uh, there's only one God, but but there are three persona of the Godhead. God has revealed himself. It's a holy mystery, but he's not, it's not polytheistic. He's not three gods. He, he doesn't consist of three gods is what I should say. There's one God, but in the three personas, all of these. So if we say that God is omnipotent, then the 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 per- persons of the tr- of the triune Godhead are all so, so the Holy Spirit they, they is all powerful. Sh- they are all one essence, right? So just when just something to say that Jesus is all powerful and the Holy Spirit is all powerful mm-hmm. and God the Father is all powerful because because God is all powerful. Yes, and then finally, one thing I would add before we get into it is that especially when speaking of these attributes. And, and really, when, when speaking of God in general, we need to note that God is ineffable. He is 
you can't understand him. I, I think kind of like what you said, we wouldn't know these things to begin with if it wasn't for God's revelation to us. So when we begin to talk about things, reason through these things, there's going to be a point, kind of like when we said, this is funny, we keep going back to it, like when we talked about the episode on the Trinity, which is on who God is, three yeah. persons, one nature. Episode number um, one, which we always keep, it's always funny, go we back always to. seem to always go back to that, which is pretty cool. Uh, you're, there's only so far that we can understand this. And so we're, we do our best to use philosophy and logic and the scriptures, obviously, and everything else. But there comes a point where our finite brains cannot comprehend the infinite. And so be comfortable at some point going, okay, I can only take this so far right. moving on. You'll listen to this podcast and your mind's just going to explode. Uh, we get into the eternality of God, the first one. When we get into the what the aseity yeah. of God is, uh, get ready because you're yeah. going to go like I can't I can't figure this out because everything's caused and but you know you're going you'll see in a minute. Um, but you're right, and I think that this is really important. So we're trying to you know, we're trying to really stress this to build this up because it is so vital. Um, and valuable, if if God wasn't ineffable, okay, here's the problem, then we would create God in our image. Mm-hmm. So if God didn't reveal these things to us, um, and because he is ineffable, if, if, if he didn't reveal this, then we would make God more limited than what he is. I think we would, or yeah. we would make him something that he's not. So thank God for his revelation of himself to us, this is really important. I mean, this you ought to walk away from this podcast saying, okay, I really, I really, hopefully you'll be able to say, I really have a deeper and better understanding of who God is. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to try to do today with all of these attributes is not just dispense knowledge to you, but actually show you how they affect you yeah. as a believer. Yeah. And uh, it, this ought to really help you. When it's all said and done, you, you ought to be stronger in your faith. And yeah. hopefully everybody wants that. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and start. Let's start with the, with the first one. Um, so our first incommunicable attribute, and I want to point out, these are all going to kind of build off of one another. So this is important that we start with this, is what, what, is, what is called, called God's aseity, right? And so in... Which spell it? A-S-E-I-T-Y. Okay. So in Latin, ase literally means from itself. So when we speak of God's aseity, we're speaking of his self-existence. So if I can give like a more uh, official definition, a satiety is God's self-existence and his independence in will, purposes, and and desires. So God exists without the cause or help of anything external to himself. He exists completely and totally of himself. Um, He wasn't caused by anything. He doesn't sustain existence with the help of anything else. He is... Totally self-existent, totally self-sufficient, end of story. Right, and that right there starts <laughs> enough to pushing blow us, your mind. Pushing you to the edge where you're going, okay, help me to understand this. Um, and to put it simply, God is independent and self-existent. That's what we're saying. Yeah. God is independent, and he did, so that means he's not dependent on mm-hmm. anything or anyone to exist, and he's self-existent. He exists within himself. Okay, yes. he he alone his 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 being just being his existence mm. um, creates self existence. In other words, so, so yeah, self sustaining. So God is God, God. just is. 
Yeah. I mean, just think about that. Like, I, I don't know if you've done this. I've tried to do it as a kid where you, you try and, you try and think back into God's self-existence and we're going to overlap here, but his eternality and the sense that before anything was God is and was and always has been, it actually like gives me like a brain something. Yeah, brain like, freeze. Your it's brain like just, a brain freeze. Brain freezes up. I can't function. Like, just try it. <laughs> well, all right, so let's go through some things. This, this means that God exists without being created. Mm-hmm. So nobody created God. Now, this yeah. is where if you, if you ask a child this, or, or possibly even teenagers, I know I was in youth ministry years ago, <clears throat> they just, they're trying to, ra- and even adults, you, what do you mean? Everybody's created. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Everybody has a starting point. God has no starting point. So he he is he's he's without cause. Yeah. Okay. So I remember when I was taking apologetics um, in college, we talked about this, and it, it just blows your mind that that the, the life, all of life, is about cause and effect, Evan. Mm-hmm. Everything. So you know, parents get together and. Mom gets pregnant. Mom, no, mom gets pregnant, <laughs> and she has a child. Then that child grows, gets married, get wife gets pregnant. It's cause yeah, and effect. It on okay, itself, yeah. it, it's same thing with the dogs and the cats and the chickens and the cows. It's just everything has the, the tree. There's the the pine the, the pine cone goes in the ground. The acorn goes in the ground, and then the tree grows, and then another mm-hmm. acorn goes. It's cause and effect, cause and effect, cause. So if you go backwards, if you go backwards on all the causes and effects and go reverse order. Mm -hmm. And when you get all the way back to the beginning, this is why I love about um, the big bang theory is that there was a big bang. And that, well, my, my question was, well, who, who made the bang? What was there before? There had Uh, to be something. Who who created, where where did the bang come from? What was, there has to be something that was there to combust. So where did that come from? So is yeah. is that was then, that the first thing, or yeah. was there something before then? And so that's why there's a problem. Oh, great! I forgot to turn my phone off. But uh, unprofessional. Yeah, but uh, there's my unprofessionalism. Uh, but but if you go all the way back, what theologians will say is you have cause, 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 and then you get to God, and He's the uncaused mm-hmm. cause. That's what. That's really good. That's what's called um, the cosmological argument. Right. There's um, a guy named William Lane Craig. If you want to learn more about this, probably one of the best, if not the best, Christian apologists alive today. And so he kind of breaks it down. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. And then, like you said, eventually you go back enough. There must be an uncaused cause, yes, or a self-existent being. Um, I think it's interesting, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but scientists don't agree on the eternality of the universe. There are people who try and say, "Well, just the universe always existed, and that's why there was something, and there's a big bang." No, the the scientists cannot come on a clear conclusion at all. And I'm, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's like been kind of debunked. That well, the universe has always existed, and we'll we'll get back to this. So this, hopefully, our listeners are enjoying this. And you know, we get off on these tangents; they're fun. That's that's the problem with humanism. Once we removed God from science and the arts, then we had to replace God with somebody, mm-hmm. and so we decided we were a good fit. So we come up with answers that the Bible already gives us that are solidly founded within the divine being. Everything can be here because we have a divine being. Yeah. Everything has a cause because we have a divine being. 
we have purpose in life because there's a divine being who yeah. created us. Once we removed, we have all these. Now we've got to fill in the blanks, and so we're trying to fill in the blanks with theories and crazy ideas that it takes more faith to believe them than it does the Bible. I know. So Crazy. you know, getting back that you're right. So God, God is the uncaused cause. So He's He's He exists without being created, and He's always existed. Mm-hmm. Now that's where your brain starts messing up because just as far back as you can go, there's always God. Yeah, there's never been a point when there's not been God. Yeah, even before there was time, there was God. Was there time? Was there always time, or was time a creation of God? That is a question for God's, uh, it's somewhere in here. That's okay. a question for maybe his omnipresence, or no, his eternality. eternality. That's what it is. I, don't, right. I, I don't know. I'm not philosophical but, enough. I, but, I, you know, but I the point know. is, he's always existed. He's always existed. That's all we know. And so that, that blows your mind. And then, like you said, he doesn't depend on anyone or anything to exist, um, which, you know, we have to have food. We have to have sleep. Um, we have to have air. Mm-hmm. Just think about what we depend need to exist. If we were in a cold environment, we have to have warmth. We have to have shelter. We have to have clothes. We we are incredibly dependent. Yeah. But God needs nothing. He doesn't have to eat. Yeah. He doesn't have to sleep. The, the Bible says he doesn't the Lord, have to do. Anything. God doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> right. So the Bible says the Lord neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't have to do anything because yeah. because he is self dependent. Um, and this is pretty cool. So this is going to get to where people can say, hey, this is cool. God doesn't need any relationship to exist. He can, he can exist all by himself. Okay? Yeah. He, can be, he can be the, the uh, incredibly happy loner, if you and will. And even then, he's three persons. They right. exist in perfect love and harmony together. Within his own self. <laughs> Within the Godhead, yeah. yeah. The Godhead, there is a harmony relationship. But even though he doesn't have to have that, isn't it awesome that he freely enters into relationship with us? Yeah, uh, because he wants to. Yeah, God can get anything from us. He has right. no vested interest in terms of. So, so he doesn't need us, but he wants yeah. us. The reality is, we need him, and we should want him. Yeah, flip it. That's good. So, and um, and then here's the last part I have on this: is everything depends on him. Mm-hmm. You know, all things are sustained by him. The Bible says. So um, this attribute is 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 really expressed in the name Jehovah. So a lot of our our listeners, if they're church folks, they're they're used to the, the word Jehovah um, or Yahweh. But it's ultimately um, it's it, that word means the self existent, independent God who remains in relation to His people forever. So that's why that word Jehovah is so important mm-hmm. because it's the covenant name of God, and this which is also I am, right. You may have heard it that way. He he just is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I've got in some other notes, but you're right. It, it applies here. Is he's the he's the the, the I am the present tense God. Yes. Of course, that's going to come up again. So anyway, yeah. This is pretty powerful when you just think about um, the aseity of God. And I would say too, as the self existent being, he um, <clears throat> he makes decisions with a totally independent will. Here's what I don't mean. I don't mean that God doesn't respond to prayers or that he just doesn't listen to his children, that he shuts you out. I just mean God in his self-existence can't be forced to do anything. God does what he wants 
of himself and no one can force his hand. And he is not dependent on someone else to, to nurture him or nourish him or whatever. Yes. So in his actions, not just in his existence, but what he does, he is, he is free from anybody forcing him to do anything. He created he all that is yeah. because he wanted to yeah. and because he could. Yeah. And because as an independent operator, he had the right to. He had the, he had the ability to, and he said, I think I'll create some things. And he spoke, and there it was. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that makes God necessary and powerful for those of us who are the created. That's good. Let's take a look at the Bible real quick and see what it has to say. A lot of these discussions are very philosophical, but the Scriptures give us a beautiful picture. <clears throat> Excuse me. John 5.26 says, this is Jesus speaking. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. So the important point here is that the Father has life in himself. God has life in himself. He is life, and he gives life to others. And so the Son gives life to others as well. So he is life. Um, Before this, Jesus is basically talking about how he and the Father can give life to those they please to. So that's that's kind of why we'd have to exegete the passage more. He says he's granted the Son also to have life in himself. It's a discussion on giving other people life through his life. Acts 17, 24, 25 says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He is the source. Yep. And then finally, Daniel 4.35 says, All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? There goes his kind of independent self-will. Who can stop God? He can do what he wants. Yep, I think we've done a good job there to say God is self-existent and independent. Perfect. Well, let's move on, and this kind of builds on it. Let's move on to God's second attribute that we're talking about today. This is God's infinity. God's infinity. So here's to what— infinity and, and beyond, beyond. <laughs> right? That's what comes to your mind. Here's what we mean by infinity, and we'll build on this and clarify this and everything. Divine infinity means that God is unlimited or unbounded. That is the most simple— um, negative statement about God. It says that what he isn't. God he has, isn't limited and he isn't bounded. God has no bounds or limits. That's let, another way to say it. Let's uh, let, let's clarify what what we mean here by God being limited or bounded. I also have a positive def- definition that may help us a little bit. Okay. Um, a positive definition. This is by a man, Stephen T. Davis, who has thought through this. This was really, really helpful to me, especially with a lot of the questions that come up about God's infinitude. One, this is God's infinitude. infinitude. I did. That's another big word. I know. This is crazy. The God of infinity is a God of infinitude. Infinitude. (laughs) All right. God's infinity or being who has infinity is a being who possesses all of the great making properties that it is possible for being to possess. So, what he does is he clarifies things called great-making properties. So, for instance, being all-powerful is a great-making property. 
being red hasn't he- being redheaded isn't. I apologize to all of the redheads out there. It is not a great making property. You look great, but it's not the same thing as being all powerful. Okay, and, and, and includes the blondes and the brunettes. Yeah, whatever, and the bald headed people. Yeah, so you understand what we're saying by great making property? It's knowing everything. It's having all power. It's whatever. Step two. A being all of whose G properties or great making properties that admit of an intrinsic maximum are possessed to the maximal degree degree. All right. Let's stop here. That's that's that let's just, stop here. Let me clarify. Whoa, you lost me. Let me clarify. So that means being omnipotent. Here's what we mean. Power eventually has some some Boundary. Boundary. Parameter. Somewhere. And so any quality that admits of some great boundary somewhere, God fills it to the max. He's got 100%, not 99.9. God fills anything that admits of some sort of boundary. He fills that quality, like power, to the max. Okay. And number three, a being all whose great-making properties that admit of no intrinsic maximum are possessed to a degree unsurpassed, now watch this, by any other being that has ever existed, will ever exist, or could ever exist, but won't exist. Let me break it down. For instance, being more loving than any actual being. So power, there's a conceived boundary of power or knowledge, and God's got it to the 100% degree. Well, love, there is no boundary. So what do we say by God's infinitude? He loves more than any creature that is, will be, or even could possibly exist, but won't exist. He loves more than them. That is Stephen T. Davis. All right, here's Chris the star. God's power and love is boundless and unlimited. How how you like that, folks? Did that help y'all? I reeled y'all back in. You right gotta there. have enjoyed Is the there, breakdown. Come I, on, that was that was so deep. I was drowning. You were drowning, yeah, but that was good. Basically, God possesses everything that makes Him great. Anything He possesses power to a hundred percent, and He loves more than anybody else could. Okay, so that, does that make it a little bit it, simpler? That now? makes it simpler now. Yep, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty deep. Pretty awesome. <laughs> let's uh, let's go on to to kind of clarifying what we mean. So God's infinity is not like a collection of parts. And here's what I mean: when we think of infinity, we often think of math, right? Right. One, two, three, four, five, six, into infinity. So and numbers go up yeah, under two hundred thousand, two thousand, two trillion, two billion, two trillion, and they just keep going to infinity yes. endlessly. And what that is is it's a stacking up of finite objects. So let's break away from numbers. Let's think of apples. If we say there's an infinity number of apples, well, we're saying one finite apple plus one finite apple plus one finite apple unto Infinity. An infinite number of yes, but God is apples. God is not an infinite number of somethings. Somethings. He's not a compound of whatevers right. that just keep adding together. He is a not. He's not a compound. He's one thing that is unbounded or unlimited. Does that make sense? That just goes on. <laughs> In every facet, in every way, <laughs> yeah. and in being itself, God is boundless and unlimited. Yes. 
Yes. That is like, sorry, that's just really hard to like put into words. It is. Um, but yeah, so basically he's not a compound. He is a being that knows no bounds. And infinity ultimately is going to apply to other characteristics of God. It's like a qualified characteristic. Right. But with some divine attributes, it doesn't make sense. So for instance, it makes no sense to say that God is infinitely self-existent. That's kind of redundant. So if we're going to compare, you know, if we're going to add that to a saity, is there any way you could say, could someone be self-existent and then someone else be infinitely self-existent? I'm no, not sure how that makes any sense. I think inherently self-existence implies infinity. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's kind of how it is. And then we must also think of God's infinity um, about quality and about instead of about quantity. So God's infinity doesn't mean that he contains an infinite amount of material. Here's what we mean. God's not a pantheistic God. I'll God isn't word, everything. Ontological material. You want me to? Yes, because ontology, onto, ontological is something that is connected with God because it has to do with being, and that's what we're talking about. I mean, an ontological argument deals with the argument of the, the, the being, the very essence, being of God. So let me read that sentence again with, with the word. God's infinity doesn't mean that he contains an infinite amount of ontological material. What do we mean when we say ontological material? Actual, real material in reality? Yeah, and, and, and his being, okay? It's because, what, because if you read on your, your notes there, um, if God is all that being is what is, what exists— so if you'd said that you're you're smacking a pantheism, pantheism which that pantheism says that that the material world is God, go hug a tree because that's God, and that's we don't believe that. Yeah. So that's why we're saying that's not what it means when God is um, infinite. So what we're not saying is that we're not speaking of quantity that we need to add together all of the things that exist and say that that is God. That God is every door and door handle and animal and whatever we're We're speaking of quality not quantity what we mean is that god is qualitatively unlimited or that he is the greatest kind of being there is he's a necessary being so kind of like we talked about earlier you take all of his essential awesome god attributes and he's got those attributes to the umph degree we're speaking about quality yeah the greatest possible being help us out here i feel like i'm talking too much this no, is like hurting no. my brain as i'm describing well, it. well all right so let's let's kind of go into some areas where it might now that we've been out on that deep water of of uh of uh the abstract let's get back into the more concrete when, when we say god has no bounds or limits um that means that he's not bound or limited by the universe by creation He's not even limited by time-space mm. boundaries. And I think that's where you really get into understanding infinity is when you start talking about time and space. Now, we're going to talk about spatial boundaries um, when we talk about his omnipresence. So if it's okay, we'll hold off there. Let's just deal with time. So when we say God is infinite, it means that he is in the past, he is in the present, and he is in the future simultaneously. Mm. So that helps us to understand that, see, he is, he is not bound by that. We are bound by time and space. I can only be in this spot at this moment. No, no this moment. No, this moment. No, this moment. Yeah. No, this moment. See, every second that goes by, I'm in that second. 
I'm not in the last moment. But I'm not in the last second, and I haven't got into the next mm. second. I can only be in this spot at this moment. So we're very much limited. God is not. I want to mess with our listeners' heads. I read a book years ago <clears throat> um, uh, by, I think it was a physicist, if I remember, and it, it was very deep reading, And I, but I tackled it, and it blew my mind. So here's the simple version of it. Um, you know, we talk about being multidimensional. We live in a three-dimensional world. But then when you get into the realm of science fiction, you start talking about the fourth dimension. What if there's a fourth dimension? Okay. And, uh, you know, Einstein dealt with this with time travel and the, and the, the time continuum and the fourth dimension. He went into some of this in theory of relativity. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. Of course, science fiction writers love that kind of stuff because it's created a lot of movies and, mm-hmm. and books that we've read and movies we've watched through the years. But here's the thing. If God... If God is fourth, four-dimensional, we're three-dimensional, what if God is four-dimensional? Then it would allow God to move on the time continuum in a way that we can't, to where we're only limited at one second at a time. God could be could travel backwards in time or forwards in time and be in this place. So that, that's a simple version. I'm just giving a layman's, you know, I'm not a physicist. What this guy argued was, he said, what if God is 26-dimensional? Well, he <laughs> gave the numbers as a statistician. It was astounding. Mm. All right. So if God is 26 dimensions, then when you, when you work that out, God effectively can be any place, anytime, anywhere at all the, at all times. Yeah. So, so just through science, we can't understand God, Evan, but what we can is through science, come up with a possibility picture, a picture that we can say, you know, we can, to a point we can, we can rationalize this, that, if there was a being that had this many dimensions, mm. then per the the math, this this person, this being could be any place, anytime. So he could be in the past, in the present, in the future. So that kind of helps us to understand that God is infinite. Mm. Now, let me just take it further. Um, <clears throat> there's there are some cool things that come out of this. You can never ask how old is God. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't apply. God doesn't have a birthday. And there isn't a time segment for God. God created time. He works in time. Okay, but he's he's not bound by time. I think that's the hardest thing for me to wrap around. And maybe as you're listening, when you say God created time, how is it possible for anything to not exist in time? Is time not natural? No. If time is, that's what I'm saying. If time is not natural, time is a, a measurement. So if you are unbounded by time, why do you need to measure it? Mm, because if he's the only being and he's everywhere at once, there's no reason. Quite literally, there's no time. He doesn't need to look at a clock to see, or a date to, to look forward to something or to remember an because anniversary. Because he fills all things. Because he's back there and he's also already there because he fills all things. Okay, that makes sense. See, okay, you just helped me there. So that's in the infinity of God. Okay. Wow. Um, but God works in time. So what we're all out here in abstract. Yeah. Now let me, so, you know, this is, so here, here's what I like doing this. And you and I talked about we were going to do this and we're having fun with this. So what is all, how does all this affect you and affect me? Well, while God, is unlimited by time or space. God works in time. God created time. How do I know God created time? Because he created the sun and the moon and Mm -hmm. the stars for the seasons. So so the sun gives us the rotation of the earth 
around the sun gives us a 24-hour day. So we have hours and we have a day. And then we have seasons, the summer, spring, winter, fall, because of the way God set with the, with the axis and the orbit there. So God created time, okay? And the evening and the morning were the first day. Mm. See, so, so yeah. time is found right in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1. A time element is found, and God worked in it. Is that interesting? That is interesting. So the infinite God worked in time to work to, uh, cr- to create, to create us. That's crazy. Okay, and then created time for us, even though he's unbounded by time. Okay, but God works in time. The greatest moment when God worked in time is found in Galatians 4. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem those under the law. You better be glad that an infinite God who doesn't need time worked in our time because at a certain time, at just the right time, he sent his son Jesus to come to this earth and die for us to redeem us from our sins. Mm, So an infinite God works in time. Okay, here's some more. This is why people read in the Bible where it says, uh, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years to God. Have you ever read that? Yeah. Okay. And people wonder about that. Some people over rationalize. They over rationalize that. That is a. That's. I think there's more of. A, there's. It's more of a metaphor. I think yeah, it's, it's more. more poetic. A, it's it's poetic and it's represented. But let me show you what it's representative of. It's representative of, of the fact that God is infinite, so He's unaffected by time. Mm-hmm. So a thousand years goes by. It, it means a thousand years means a lot to us. But it means nothing to God. So I like to say that in God's mind, Jesus, or in Jesus' mind, he's only, he only came out of the tomb a couple of days ago. But at the same time, wouldn't Jesus have come out of the tomb forever ago? And at the same time, he's coming out of the tomb right now because he's infinite? He's there in all places at all times. But But— See, now you're going off the left field. Come back. You got back. me thinking. You I got know. me thinking. So, but here's the thing. If a thousand years is as a day I see to what God, you're saying. it's been 2,000 years since Jesus rose from the dead. But it doesn't feel like but that. But for man. God, it's yeah. going to be like a couple days. If if he even acknowledged time. Yeah. Which he doesn't, but if he did, he'd say, eh, it's been like a couple days ago for me. It's been 2,000 years for humanity. Wow. But But what, I'm telling you that to say this helps us understand how God— is infinite. Um, here's the part that really should get you. Your future is secure mm. because God is already there. God knew it was going to happen. Right. He's infinite. He's past, present, future. And I know some of this is bleeding over. We'll get into more of it. But your future is certain. You don't have to worry about the future because an infinite God, unlimited by time or space, is already there. He doesn't just know about it. He's already there. He's there. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in the fiery furnace, but the fourth man was already waiting on him. That's good. When they got there. So anyway, that to me, that's the infinity of God. I'll throw one more thing in there that's a little bit more apologetic. Um, because God is infinite, that means all of his attributes are infinite. So we know that God is all loving. He's all merciful, different things like that. But just because God... Um, in his attributes is infinite, doesn't mean he has to express the infinitude of his attributes in every way, every time. So here's what I mean. Just because God is all-powerful doesn't mean God has to make everything that God could make. Does that make sense? He doesn't have to express it in its fullness all of the time. And in the same way, God is all— So it doesn't demand actual. It can just 
be potential. Exactly. And so I think a lot of the times what happens is we say God is an all-loving God, and then when bad stuff happens, we say God God has a moral whatever obligation, obligation as the all-loving, all-powerful, all-whatevering To keep bad God. things from happening exactly. and tragedies to happen and coronaviruses from hitting the world. But just because God has that power doesn't mean right now and the way you want him to use it that he has to use that power to its fullest extent. And the reason is because he's independent and self-existent. Do what he wants. He can do what he wants. And as we'll see later on, he's got a good reason for the things that he does. Right. But I do, yeah, I do want to point that out that you you can't demand that an infinite all-loving God act all-loving, but not also demand <laughs> that an all-powerful God makes a 30-headed dragon made out of cotton candy because he can. You see what I'm saying? Right. If, he, if an all-loving God has to express that love to its infinitude, well, you better add that to every other quality, but God holds back for Because good he reason. has a will. Exactly. That's what you said His in the first one, that his will, his independence means he has an independent will. He can do what he wants. Exactly. Which the Bible says. He exactly. Does. He will work and who will hinder him. He'll do what he wants when he wants. Nobody will stop him. And Okay, good stuff. This let's, is deep. Let's hit the scriptures real quick, and then we will head on to the next one. Um, yeah, we only got 25 today, so... You, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. This we will don't. only be a four-hour special, but... No, we're just joking. <laughs> Job uh, chapter 11, verses 7 through 9 says, Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Yeah, that's good. Beautiful. Job 5.9 says, Who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number? And Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Now, that Psalm doesn't say God is infinite, but what does it say? Let's pick these qualities, God's greatness, God's power, God's understanding, and those are infinite. So we see that applied to God's qualities. So God is infinite. All right, let's move on to the next one. I'll let you start out with this one because this one this one blows my mind as well as the other ones. This is going to be a good conversation. Let's talk about God's omnipresence, or you could say his immensity, but let's use the term omnipresence. Right, because some theologians like to talk about his immensity. So so that we, we don't assume the word omni means all. Yes. Okay. So when we say omnipresent, uh, omnipotent, or which is correctly said omnipotent, mm-hmm. but it's omnipotent, yeah. or uh, omniscient, which is omniscience, if you want to break it down. Yeah. If you, you say omniscience, then you're saying all-powerful, all-knowing, always present. That's what you're saying there. So when we say omnipresence, we're talking about um, that, that God is God is you know always present. So mm-hmm. to put it in simple definitions, it means that he is everywhere present with his whole being at all times. That's good. So wherever you go... There, God is. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty much. Um, I think omnipresence. How important? Because we're going to dive into everything. How important is it uh, in that definition? You said he's the, he's present in his total being. So how important is that qualification that God is not partially one place and partially in another? You know? Well, because that he wouldn't be God. That that gets back to what we were talking about is that if if he's God, then he fills all in all. So we've, we're before we were talking about 
time limitations. Now we're or, or un, uh, no limitations. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about space. So God fills all of space. Okay, so wherever there's space, there's God, and yeah. and and this is this will really mess with your head. And and I know we got notes, but maybe we ought to just will flow with it here. Um, so God's in heaven, that invisible realm. God's on earth, and He's everywhere in earth. Okay. His presence is everywhere. It may not be manifested, but he's there. And David even said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there, which is the abode of the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheol. Sheol, which Sheol was split, so you had the righteous and the unrighteous. And and this is a weird thought. Um, it's a sobering thought, <clears throat> but that even in hell, God is there. But now God doesn't manifest his presence, mm-hmm. and you don't feel God. And you don't get goosebumps in hell like you do right now if you're a sinner, but you like to go to a spirit-filled church, and you like when we sing and shout, and you you feel the presence of God, and you like that, and you enjoy that, but you won't get saved? Yeah. Well, the day will come when you go to hell. That's over. But God's still there because God cannot be nowhere. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> he has, has to, to be, be everywhere, which gets into those words, and I don't know if you were going to get into this, but... Kind of that the, the two words is which is eminence and transcendence. I, I, I wasn't going to get into yeah. those. That would so eminence is there. These two words are usually used to talk about God's omnipresence. His eminence means he's everywhere, and his transmend, transcendence means he's not anywhere. Okay, so let me explain okay. that. So his eminence means he's everywhere, which means he fills all the space, which is what I've been talking about. But transcendence means that he is. Um, not subject to spatial limitations. I okay. think I think it's important to talk about how everything builds. What we're referring to is God's infinity in His presence, right? So that kind of helps you qualify and think through things. Yeah, God these is two infinite. Co- now we're applying it. These two connect together. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So that's exactly right. So Solomon built a temple, and he, you know, the great was one of the probably one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. I mean, it wasn't, but it should have been. Uh, but Solomon said the heavens, the heaven of heavens, which was the highest heavens, he said can't contain God. How much less this house that I've built him? Mm. So even Solomon understood the omnipresence of God and understood that God's transcendence, that I can't, God's not going to keep him. And that's why some people think God's at church. He's not at church, but he is at church. He is. He's here because he's everywhere. But but it's like, well, that's where God lives. God stays at church, and then I go on and do my thing Monday through Saturday, and then if I get to church Sunday, God will be there. No, God's everywhere. Yeah. So everywhere you go, you can interact with God. God lives in your heart. So, which, which is, this is all... Is a this specific is, manifestation, maybe, a right. relationship. And this God. is important. This omnipresence is important because this explains how God's, like, and I've talked about this in other uh, podcasts, I think, over and over in the New Testament, the writers, several writers, loved to emphasize that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Mm. That'll keep coming up. It is one of those things that is really important. It shows that he fulfilled his mission, and it shows where he's ascended in glory right now. He has he is back in that place as the glorified God, mm-hmm. okay, but no longer just deity, but the addition of humanity. So anyway, it's, it's a really powerful thing that you get into. Mm-hmm. But the point is, you say, where's Jesus? Oh, he's at the right hand of the throne of God. Where's God? Okay, but then, <laughs> well, no, but then you say, 
when you when you pray and get saved, ask Jesus to do what? To come into your heart. heart. So how is Jesus in heaven sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and yet I asked him to come into my heart? See what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and then um, you say, how does that happen? It happens because he is omnipresent. Mm. He can do that. Um, this is God's omnipresence explains how God can hear everybody's prayers all over this world at the same time. Yeah. He's right there. Right. And you, if you ever watch Bruce Almighty, you know, in that moment where all the prayers were going through his ears and Jim Carrey was going nuts, you know, <laughs> and he was trying to fathom, you know, he's hearing a million prayers coming at him yeah. at one time. Um, and, and you think, can God handle that? Yeah, God can because God is everywhere at one time. Yeah. And he, so he can hear all our prayers. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, kind of the practical things about yeah. this. Uh, what, you, what do you want to share? So let's, I, I think you really set us up. Let's break it down, um, into kind of what you broke it down to into God's omnipresence in the most general way. And then God's manifest presence, like, you know, being living in your heart or being at the right hand of God or different things like that. Um, so let's start with God's general you know, omnipresence, which is basically God, like you said, God is everywhere in his totality. But here's what we don't mean. God is not physically present anywhere in space because God is immaterial. He's not physical, excepting to Jesus's human nature. That's a different discussion. But if we're talking about God's essence, he is immaterial. But there's a difference between phys- being physically present everywhere, and we're going to throw that word again, ontological presence. What we mean is God is, he is still something, though he is immaterial. He is still real, though he doesn't have a body. So he can be everywhere. This really helped me. Um, well, you know, oxygen's real, but you don't see it. Yeah, exactly. Air, air. Well, think about this. We can locate space of immaterial objects. Do you believe a human has a mind or a soul? Some. i met a few mindless people (laughs) well if you do believe they have a mind a mind is a real and yet immaterial thing but we can locate it well because of your body but still we can locate locate it the mind but is your brain and your mind the same thing no okay anyways that's a deeper discussion but if we're going to keep it surface level we can say hey there are things that maybe don't have bodies but we can kind of locate where they are. They are still there. Like your soul. Exactly. Or your spirit. You exactly. have a spirit. And right. so God, in the same way, though he doesn't have a body, we can still say he is there. He's just not bound to space and time. And then we want to add again, God is not everything. He is. We're not speaking of pantheism, but God is present with or in addition to every point in space. He isn't each point in space. He isn't us. He isn't the table. He isn't the chairs, but he's present with and in addition to every point in space. So that's kind of God's general omnipresence. But I think we've got to point out God specifically manifests himself in special ways, kind of in relationship to us and and other creatures. So there's kind of a moral, spiritual, or ethical presence. There's a way in which God has a special relationship with, with someone else. Because if you're a Christian, you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, right? We know the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Christ lives within us. And so God, who is everywhere at once, specially, relationally, 
lives in us. It doesn't mean that he's not everywhere at once or whatever, but he shows up in a special way. If we're in an amazing church service, oftentimes we'll say, man, God really showed up today or God came down. Well, because God is specifically manifesting himself to his people. Even in the temple that Solomon built, God's glory came down. He wasn't bound to the temple, but once again, specifically manifested himself. And then in another way, with sinners, God is specifically not in that relationship with them. Well, does that mean sinners are completely void of any presence of God? Well, no, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, but God doesn't specifically live in their heart. He doesn't specifically make his presence known. He doesn't specifically speak to them like he speaks to his own children. And so there is a way in which God relationally shows up and and works within us and speaks to us that we can use language, even though we don't mean it literally, to say God came down, God showed up, God lives, lives within me, me yeah. those different things, though we can't take it ultra literally, if that makes sense. Yeah. So does that help? Those are kind of my two distinctions of God's presence. Yeah, that God can fill all in all and and also fill my heart. That's that's why there's the the complexity of God in the you know in the, we talk about the simplicity of God, but God is <laughs> unbelievably complex, and He can do those things. That yeah. gets back to His infinity. Mm-hmm. That He's He's not bound up. He can do those things if He yeah. wants to fill all in all, which He does by very nice essence ontologically as God. But he also wants to live in my heart because I've repented and asked him to come into my, and he wants to have this relationship with me that he can do those things. Well, That's let's take time. Powerful. Let's take time to apply that. Like the omnipresent God who is everywhere also wants to specifically engage in a relationship with you. God is already everywhere at once, but he wants to abide in your heart. He wants to speak to you. He wants to make his presence known to you. He wants to uh, make himself aware in a way that those who aren't in relationship with him aren't aware of him. And so maybe for us today, be aware of God's, you know, crazy, awesome presence that he's everywhere, but ask God to reveal himself to you in a special way, and he will. Ask God to speak to you, and he will. It may not be an audible voice, but he will. Ask God to reveal himself to you, and God enjoys specially, uniquely, relationally revealing his presence to his children and those whom he and, loves. And he deals with everybody differently. I, I guess the two practical things for me is, number one, you because he is omnipresent, you cannot escape the presence of God. Now, if you're, if you're a sinner, <clears throat> that's a good thing and a bad thing because that means you can't run from him, you can't hide from him, you can't escape his judgment. Um, Jonah tried and ended up, getting thrown overboard yeah. in the belly of a whale. You know, you just can't. Elijah ran for his life, and God still found him in a cave in a mountain. So you can't get away from God. But if you're saved, it's a wonderful thought that wherever I go, God is always with me. Yeah. And and whatever circumstance I find myself in, and that's why David said, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning to the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will find me. Mm. So um, he, he's always with us. And uh, and that just means everywhere you go, Jesus is with you. Yeah. So whatever you go through your life, you never go alone. You never go through it alone because he, that's why he said, I'll never leave you. and I'll ne- Only an omnipresent God could say, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Yeah. 
and lo, I'm with you in the Great Commission. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So that that's an encouraging. And we've already uh, we've already revealed ourselves at the beginning of this podcast. If uh, if coronavirus is still going on while you're listening to this, and life is still kind of wacky and crazy, hold on to that promise. Yeah, I am with you to the <clears throat> end of the age, and he really is. Yeah, you're not walking through this alone. Right, he's with us. So let's let's uh, look what the Bible has to say, and then we'll hop to eternity. Jeremiah twenty three twenty three through twenty four says, "Am I a god at hand?" declares the Lord, and not a god god far away. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? declares the Lord. Um, Acts chapter seven forty eight through forty nine. Stephen once again emphasizes God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. In Exodus thirty three fourteen, God says, uh, or, or Moses says, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So that is God giving his specific presence to his people after he's led them out. And uh, John 14, 23, Jesus says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So God shows up in that unique and special way to his people. Yep. But now we move on. We've touched on this a little bit because all of these kind of overlap. We move on to God's eternity. So as we're applying God's infinity to these different attributes, now God's infinity in relation to time is God's eternity. And this is really, really difficult. This is this. Well, it isn't. There he, is much debate as to whether God exists eternally within time or outside of time. He ex- you kind of help me with that. He exists endlessly. The oldest argument is what you said that God exists outside of time. There's also an argument that God exists eternally inside of time. But I think what you made, what you said earlier, made sense that God created time and that He exists out side of time. And time is for a finite being, and time does not apply or is even necessary to a God who fills all things. But that's not our point today. No, past, present, and future. Why do you need, that's like you said, why do you need a, you don't need your Google calendar. But let's go ahead, let's let's switch it up. Let's look at what the Bible says first, and then let's have a conversation on it. All right. Um, God's endless existence in the past. So if God is eternal, this means if we go backwards, God has always been there. Psalm 93, 2 says, your throne is established from old. You are from the everlasting. Habakkuk 1, 12 says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? God has always existed in the past. Well, God will always exist into the future. Psalm 9, 7 says, but the Lord sits in throne forever. He has established his throne for justice. Psalm 48, 14 says that this is our God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. Um, I love what Paul says uh, to Timothy just because it's really, it's beautiful. 1 Timothy 1, 17 says, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Then we've got passages that speak of God's existence always. Job 36, 26. Behold, God is great. We know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. Hebrews 7, 3. Uh, he is without father or mother, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. And we've got all kinds of other things. God is eternal past, 
in the future. Break this down. Um, the Bible is very clear that God is eternal, but is there anything deeper than that or something that can help us understand it more? Well, no, I mean, we could start. So here's the thing. If you stretch your arms out, if you're driving, don't stretch your arms out. But if you stretch your arms out, okay, and your left arm is going one way and your right arm's going the other way and you're, you're pointing out, if your left arm is eternity past and your right arm is eternity future, Without end, mm-hmm. okay. So it's going to go. So use use like we said with infinity with numbers. So compound the numbers. Just years past, as far back as it goes, and beyond years, years forward into the future, we're endlessly. That's God. God has God. God exists in eternity past, and God will exist in eternity future. Do you think this connects to our first point about God's? self-existence yeah it all comes in that's why self-existence is your first starting is your starting point the first thing you have to talk about and then the infinity because like you said there is an order because the rest of these ultimately gravitate back to those very fundamental concepts Mm. of god's nature so the the psalmist said and i can't remember the scripture i didn't write it down but he said from everlasting to everlasting thou art god yeah so from, from and i always said from everlasting, and I do my arm this way, eternity past to everlasting, because that's what I think he meant. Mm-hmm. From from everlasting to everlasting. Why, why would he say two everlastings? I think he was thinking from everlasting backwards in time to everlasting forwards in time, you are God because you are eternal. So I think that, that's pretty clear. Mm. Um, what that means uh, is that God lives in one indivisible present. Yeah. So this hard, gets, that's hard to process. It is, but we said this earlier, and that's that's why I wanted to wait. When you talked about, we talked about Jehovah, mm-hmm. the Great I Am. So Moses says, "You're sending me to Egypt to deliver your people. Who who do I tell them is sending me? What is your name?" And he said, "You tell them I am is mm. sending you the Great I Am, which is the meaning of Jehovah or Yahweh. Well, I am is present tense." I am, you are, if you conjugate the verb to be, I am, you are, he is, she is, you know, we are. So when he says I am, that's the present tense. So I like to say God is the present tense God because he just is. (laughs) He just is. And and if you say, well, I'm still struggling with it, then you say the God who was and is and will be because Mm -hmm. he's eternal. He was, he is, he always will be because he can't end. He can't you, die. You can apply that name to him no matter what. He cuz he always is. Yes, he is. And so and so and he can't die, he can't stop, he can't cease from existing. Yeah. That's another understanding of, of, of eternality. So, you know, what if God dies? God's not going to die. He can't die because he's a divine being who has life within himself and his self-existence. See, it always goes back to Sadie. And so that's that's encouraging for me is that God will always be there. Yeah. Okay, so so that that's a that's a concept. Um, he, so here's here's the thing: God will never cease to exist. So that lets me know I'm safe. Yeah, God's always. Um, it also God's a, a, a eternity assures us of our eternity in the future when we're glorified. How do I know when I die I'm going to heaven? How do I know there's a future? If a man dies, will he lives again? How do I know that? 
that there's life beyond this life? Well, because there's a God who is eternal, and he was around before you got here, and he's going to be around after you die. Yeah. But you, he has promised that you're going to live forever. If a man dies, he'll live again. Yes, every man is going to live somewhere, either heaven or hell. And if you're saved, then you will share in that eternality. So in, in some sense, um, we, we're not eternal in the sense that we – we so, so you know is this communicable? I, I don't really think so because I can't live in eternity past. Yeah. So that means that's that's what makes God different. Just for being me. a created being at this point, it's right it's out the door. Right. Out the door. Yeah. But he is going to you know I have been justified. I'm being sanctified. One day I will be glorified, and in glory I will live forever. We have received eternal life. This, but, but I the, mean, if you're saved, being saved right now. You've received eternal life. But the gift of God is eternal life yeah. through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in and, and John 17, Jesus actually defines eternal life. And mm-hmm. he says, but this is eternal life, that they may know, because he's praying, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He actually mm-hmm. called himself by name. Yeah. You got to read that. John 17, I can't remember. It's John 17, 7, somewhere in there. He said that they may know your verse 1, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the, the, the Savior Messiah whom you have sent. Mm-hmm. And so eternality, eternal life for us is relationship with God. Okay. So if you break that down, it means that I'm going to have a relationship with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It'll never end. Isn't that wonderful? That's awesome. It'll never end. And and that's 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 just a great thought to have uh, about about eternity and eternality of God. Yeah. Um finally let's let's head into our last point of today which is really good, which I think is really practical to us. I think it's a good way to end, is God's immutability. So when we say that God is immutable, all we mean is that God does not change. God does not change. So if God is already perfect, then for him to change would to only lead downwards. If God's already reached maximum potential, any way that he can change is to only go down. So God does not change because he is God. He is the greatest conceivable being. And if he were to change, he would cease to be God. All right. So I'll give you the way I word it. God is unchangeable and is unchanging. Mm. Okay. Uh, Which means he is never inconsistent. He is never growing. He's never developing. Those things can't happen to God. He never diminishes. He never decays. He never lessens. Um, he, like you said, he's perfect, which means he can't get better and he can't grow worse. Yeah. <laughs> Can God improve? No. Can God deteriorate? No. He is perfect. Yeah. And so that's why the Lord doesn't change because he doesn't need to change. We need to change. Yeah, we do. Uh, and we live in an ever-changing world, yeah. but we serve a never-changing God. Now, I know that's so cliche, but I had to throw it in there. Hey, it helps you, though. Uh, it does. And so I, I think that's that's a great thought to have is that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, which mm-hmm. is one of the great scriptures with that. And, and, and Malachi said, Behold, I'm the Lord God. I change not. Yeah. You know, I don't change. Now, with that being said, I think we're going to have to make some distinctions because people could throw out, and we can address these, what about the incarnation? What about when a sinner repents and God said, I'm going to destroy you? Or some of the language that we see in the Bible that God repented or 
changed his mind or whatever. When we say God doesn't change, what do we mean? I, I think a helpful distinction is that when we say God doesn't change, is that God remains fixed in his character. So that scripture appears to show uh, when God is changing his mind or he forgives sinners, he's actually remaining true to his character. So God doesn't change in his being or his attributes, like being, you know, omnipotent or something, his will or his purposes. Would you agree with that? Would oh, that yeah. Is that a helpful distinction? Absolutely. Um, so there's absolutely no way that God can change any of his moral, non-moral attributes, whatever. That's essential to him being God. So being omnipotent, being omniscient, that's essential. If God ceases those things or changes those things, he ceases to be God. Right. <clears throat> but if God wills or purposes something, then he's going to do it. We say many things that are foreordained from the beginning of time. Doesn't mean there's not human interplay in the middle, but we know what God sets out to do, he's going to do. And So, so like, let me say it like this. The, the immutability of God doesn't mean that he's immobile. Yes. Doesn't mean that he's not, he's static in some way. Is that the right word? Well, yeah, that he's, yeah, that he's non-static, that he's not, he's, yeah, or that he's static. That yeah. He's not working, that he's not doing anything. Yeah. So because he's immutable, uh, then he's not, uh, it, 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 his actions are there. He's, he, he's still allowed to be active in our mm-hmm. lives. He's still allowed to be active in the world. Yeah. And so that means he can do things, which means if he wants to, robe with flesh and come to this earth and live as a man and die mm-hmm. that doesn't that doesn't negate his immutability it's like it's like it didn't change his very essence no he's still god divinity. jesus was still god yeah now if he wanted to add humanity to his divinity he can do that without without doing anything to his immutability mm-hmm. so well he changed well again that's what we're saying it doesn't mean that that ontologically he changed or in his being he changed and it or doesn't his, mean his moral attributes or, or, or his essence changed. Yeah, you know he's still God. Yeah, and and so that's what we're talking about when we that we talk about um, the immutability of God. I think one of the biggest things that that people wonder about is when we look at the Old Testament to the New Testament. There seems to be a really big change both in laws and there seems to be a change in the way that God saves us. But I think when we when we when we clarify it like this, um, God is not going to change ever in His ethics or in His morality. So we need to look at this. In the Old Testament, it was illegal to uh, you know there there it was illegal to eat shellfish. Okay, and then in the old the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, no barbecue. Yeah. If uh, no pig. If someone divorced their wife, you had to stone them or whatever or whatever. Cheated on their wife. Cheated, cheated on their wife. Now divorced. Committed yeah, adultery. Sorry, committed adultery. Yeah. You had to stone them. So now we don't do that. Does that mean God has changed? Well, no, because God's ethics are still the same. Okay? So when we take something like food, that's not an ethical matter. It's what's called a ceremonial matter. And so in all of those religious ways of living, Jesus has fulfilled them. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with eating pork, with eating the smoking pig, or whatever. There's a greater principle behind it that Jesus has fulfilled. Well, let's take adultery. Adultery is still wrong. God has not changed his mind on adultery. 
The punishment for it right now is a little bit different because we're not the nation of Israel, but the ethic hasn't changed. Does that make sense? Well, God, and because ethics are based on who God is, the ethic hasn't changed because God hasn't changed. Right, and that was a theocracy. I mean, God was God was ruling over his people. There was, so that's one thing. We live in a democracy, so that's one thing. Um, two, um, adultery is sin. So if God, under that theocracy, decided that he was going to go ahead and mete out punishment then, then that's what he did with Israel. You know, you say, well, we're not doing that in America. No, but if you die, if you commit adultery, and you're, you, you, which also means you probably have other sins in your life, and yeah. you're not right with God, um, you die in your sins, you're ultimately going to be punished. Mm-hmm. So you're going to, one way or another, the justice of God. So however God meets out that justice is up to him. It doesn't change the fact that he's still just. Yeah. See, that's what we're talking about. The, the mutability is that God doesn't change his just. How the justice is meted out, it doesn't come into play here. It's just the fact that God is still, it's not like God is any more just. You said something earlier, um, which is, we've talked about this before, but we'll talk about it today. It's really important. It, it may seem like God changed the way you get saved. In the Old Testament, you had to do sacrifices and all that. Well, that that's not how you got saved. Those were all types and symbols of Jesus when mm-hmm. he would come. But God put that sacrificial, sacrificial system in place to try to teach Israel to look forward to the coming Messiah uh, and the work that he would do. But ultimately, you've always been saved by grace through faith. Yeah. There's always been a sacrifice made. But those sacrifices look forward to the cross. We don't have to do it now because the, Jesus came. We look backwards to the cross. Mm-hmm. They all look forward to the cross. So the sacrifices were trying to get them ultimately get this now, not to look to the lamb, bull, or goat, but to look to Jesus. The true lamb. The, the true lamb. lamb. The true lamb so those are all making you look towards God as your Savior. Yeah. The lamb didn't save me. I'm looking at God. God provided this. Ultimately, God has to save me. So you have always been saved by grace through faith. When yeah. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God killed two animals, and I'm pretty sure they were lambs, and created skins for them to cover their nakedness. But those lambs gave their life to cover mm-hmm. their sin. So already when Adam and Eve sinned, there was an image being created that there is, and that's where you get that proto-evangelium where the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. God was already, isn't that crazy? All the way back at the beginning of of creation of of humanity, God was pointing us to Jesus. That's good. So see, it hasn't changed. Those things haven't changed. Now, and I think think this is a really helpful distinction too, what about when God forgives repentant sinners? So does he change? God says, you deserve judgment because you're in sin— they repent. Well, then he says, psych, never mind. I'm not going to punish you. No, he doesn't change. The sinners change. That's and, why repentance yeah. is a change of mind, heart, and will. And so God is responding to the change. He's being consistent in his moral character. It's, if you're a sinner, I will judge you. If you're repentant, I, I will, will be merciful. And deliver it's, you. It's God's mercy and his justice being consistent. He, he is consistent. And that's what we're talking about. He doesn't change. He doesn't wink at some, let some slide. Yep. He treats everybody the same. And and but that's what I'm saying. He isn't immobile, but he's active. If mm-hmm. you stay rebellious, all right, I'm going to keep working on you. But one of these days, I'm going to pass judgment on you. If you repent, get saved, then I'm going to forgive you and cleanse you. I'm going to walk in relationship with you. Yep. See, he's active. A good uh, example of this in Scripture is in Exodus. The Israelites sin in the wilderness. God says, you are sinners, and I'm, I should just destroy you right now. 
Well, Moses goes and Moses is kind of their advocate and repents on behalf of the people. So what does God do? He recognizes the repentance and in accordance with his mercy now, he forgives them and doesn't destroy them. Now, something else happens too that really we need that clarification on. Moses says, God, remember your covenant with Abraham. And so then God, I'm finger quoting, remembers his promise to Abraham that I'm going to bring your people into a nation. God made a promise. And then when God remembered, finger quotes, his promise, he also, in accordance with their repentance, didn't completely destroy the people or else he would change and be a liar. There needs to be some clarification there. Um, One, God, in accordance with his justice, was going to destroy Israel. Two, God, keeping consistent with his mercy at repentance, relented. Three, God is not a liar, so when he makes a promise or a covenant, it doesn't change. And when Moses, finger quotes, reminds God, it's not like God forgot about his promise to Abraham, but it's a way of speaking. That's like, hey, Lord, you don't change. You made this promise. Act in accordance with who you are. And then when God, once again, finger quotes, repents, it's human language. It's either anthropomorphic, it's anthropomorphic or metaphorical yes. or poetic it's anthropomorphic. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And to say, hey, God is not going to do this thing in accordance with his promise. It's language not meant to be taken taken ultra literally. We see anthropomorphisms all throughout the Bible, and that's why when God comes down, when God extends his right hands, when he turns away, when he opens his eyes, when he hears with his ears, like God doesn't have those things, but it's a way of condescending to us humans and putting it in a way we can understand. Connecting. He's, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's condescending. I think he's connecting with us. Exactly. So don't don't fret when you see words like that. It's it's not in this rigid reading where we say God's changing. You, you get this if you don't know that, and that's why it's important that we talk about these today because if you read some of those Old Testament stories, it's like God just got ticked off, and yeah. Moses had to talk him out, talk him down. God's a crazy person. And God just God went off the edge, and yeah. Moses had to talk him down. No, that's not how it worked. God was in God was in total control the whole time, because God cannot change. But think about what God revealed to Moses That's in the whole doing point. that. In doing that, it's it's not about God. It's about us. It's yeah. God's trying to teach us, speak to us, work with us, interact with us, change us. Mm. It, it, isn't that, it isn't that he changes. It's that we need to be changed. Exactly. Exactly. Well, here's a couple things I have as, as we close this down. Um, I think that one of the things is two things for me, because God doesn't change, is his promises will not fail yeah. because he's immutable. Um, I think that's that's powerful. Um, I got more than that. Number one, he's dependable, so you can rely on him mm-hmm. because he doesn't change. So if he's faithful to his nature, and, for example, he's faithful, <laughs> then you can rely on him. Um, his attitude towards sin won't change. Mm-hmm. That's something we need to think about. And finally, his love for us is constant. It'll never change. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. I think it's a way of thinking, too, that a lot of times because of our experience, so many people let us down that it's hard for us to fathom that there's someone out there who quite literally will never let us down. Um, but we've got to pierce through and remember God is he is infinite in all of his qualities, and he is great in all of his ways. 
and those people will fail us and let us down and forget to do something or stab you in the back or not follow through, God will always pastors, follow through. Pastors will fail you. Church leaders will fail you. The church will yep. fail you, disappoint you. Um, but the thing is, God will never do that because he can't. Exactly. He just he can't do it because his nature. You ever, do you have anybody you know, and you're young, I mean, I'm older, um, who they're just the same. Every time you ever meet them, they don't change. They're funny or you just love to be around them because their character is just, they're a character. I've got some people like that. And every once in a while, I enjoy being around them so much. And every once in a while, I look at them and say, don't you ever change. <laughs> don't ever change because I love you just the way you are. Yeah. And how that, and thing is, you'll never have to say don't to God, don't ever change. Because he won't. Because he can't. He yeah. won't. That's good. Yeah. Well, look, I know today's episode has been a little bit longer. I know it's been deep, but I really hope that you enjoyed it. I, I'm, I really think that you, you will. And um, we just want to encourage you, go ahead and give us a like on uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, go ahead and rate us. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to stay up to date with all of our releases and everything. Um, that would mean so much to us. Help us to get the word out. Go ahead and share uh, this podcast. Share this episode with somebody who needs it, somebody you know will enjoy it. And then tune in in two weeks from now for part two of our discussion on God's incommunicable attributes. It will be just as fun, just as uh, informing. Is that a word? Informative. Informative. I am smart, just as uh, just as mind blowing. Whatever, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, so tune in in a couple of weeks. We'll yep. see you there. See you then. Mm-hmm.